When I was growing up, we had a Sunday morning routine. We would wake up at about 8 o'clock. My mom would make breakfast for us. Uh, we would eat together and get ready to leave for church. We needed to leave just after 9, 10 a.m., so my dad would usually get in the shower at about 9.04. My sister, who is not a morning person, would still be getting ready, and my mother and I would wait in the car patiently or not so patiently. We would finally leave around 9.14 and make it to church at about 9.23 and have seven minutes to make it into the sanctuary before the service started. To my dad, that was way too early, and to my mom, that was way too late. Church would happen, Sunday school would happen, we would go home for lunch, which was usually a soup that my mom had thrown in the crock pot before we left, and then we had quiet hour. During quiet hour, we had to be in a separate room from everyone else in the house. We weren't allowed to use screens. We could read or write or sleep or play with the cats, whatever, as long as we were quiet and spending time alone. Now, as a very loud and extroverted kid who really could not entertain myself, I absolutely despised quiet hour. Now, as a young adult with three jobs, two volunteer positions, and in full-time school, I would do just about anything for a mandatory quiet hour at least once a week. Article 21 of the Mennonite Confession of Faith that Scott read for us this morning is on Christian stewardship. And it is often used to discuss stewardship of money, uh, freedom from economic oppression, tithing, etc. In this cons uh, context, stewardship is our responsibility for sharing the gospel, managing time, material things, and money. This morning, I want to focus in a bit on managing our time. Time and possessions are connected in a lot of ways. For many of us younger people trying to establish ourselves, our time is not really ours. We work to pay rent, we work to prove ourselves, and many of us spend our time off doing things to get us one step higher on the food chain. For many of you more well-established adults, working might be only an aspect of the busyness of your life. Taking care of kids, aging parents, keeping track of the more complex finances with property and other assets can all take over, and it can make your time spent away from work very full. For those of you who have worked your fair share and made it to retirement, time might have slowed down a bit from day to day, and perhaps it feels like time has gone by too fast. Of course, for me, those second two examples are just speculation. But at some point in most of our lives, uh, Many of us have been a little bit too busy to take a full day off of work, whatever kind of work that might be. Time is money, time is precious, and time is too short. And as we read in Article 21, we believe that time also belongs to God and that we are to use it with care, the time of which we are stewards. The article then goes on to describe three different times built into our lives which we are called to rest and worship. The Sabbath day, the Sabbath year, and the Jubilee year. I'm actually going to start by discussing the second two of those, the Sabbath year and the Jubilee year. In the Confession of Faith, 
We read that in the Old Testament, the Sabbath year and Jubilee year were practical expressions of the belief that the land is God's and the people of Israel belong to God. But what are the Sabbath and Jubilee years anyway? Most of us are familiar with the Sabbath day, but the Sabbath and Jubilee years are a bit more abstract. These are both parts of Old Testament law. The Sabbath year is noted as an integral part of economic justice. Every seventh year, there was an agricultural rest. No one was to plant crops, and people were to rely solely on the Lord. The crops that sprung up in the field were fair game for anyone, and anyone was able to harvest them, but only those who truly believed that God would provide and did not store up good for themselves would not go hungry. Anyone was allowed to gather from the fields and the trees, so this year was especially beneficial for the poor, who were basically on an even playing field with everyone else. Now this year was meant for rest, not only for the people, but also for the land. The land got a Sabbath rest as well, which meant that it was rejuvenated and fertilized by natural means, and that it yielded better crops in the following years. It was both spiritual and practical. The year of Jubilee came every seven times seventh Sabbath years, which by my meager math skills I think means every 50th year, but don't quote me on that. Um, and this was a special Sabbath year, so it was a Jubilee year. In these years, the same rest for the land and rest for the farmers and for the people was given. But on top of that, economic equality was restored. All financial debts were forgiven, slaves were freed, and land was given back to its original owners, although I'm pretty sure that it wasn't given back to its actual original owners, but this was the theory. This meant that most business trades that happened between these years were more of a lease than a permanent sale. This was the year of economic redistribution. Uh, the year of 2021 was actually a jubilee year if we're following the correct calendars. Um, and I don't know about you all, but I did not see a lot of land being given back to its original owners. Um, in fact, even in the Old Testament, there isn't a lot of evidence that the Jubilee year was observed all that strictly. So I find it really interesting that the Mennonite Confession of Faith chose to include these relatively obscure and inert laws into this Confession of Faith that focuses pretty strongly on Jesus' teachings. The connection that they have drawn between the Sabbath year and the Jubilee year is that we are to seek first the reign of God and to cease from consumerism, unchecked competition, overburdened productivity, greed, and possessiveness. So I want to pause here and take a moment to imagine what were to happen if we had a Jubilee year right now. Land returned to its original owners, Debts forgiven, rest and rejuvenation for all, including the land. To me, that sounds like what a lot of us would want to do to solve a lot of the political and economic issues that we see. Giving land back to its uh, rightful owners, to our indigenous neighbors, forgiving the debts of those in poverty, or forgetting who owes who what and just being content with what we have now. Actively working to rejuvenate the earth that we have been polluting and draining of resources, to me, at least, this seems like a really good way of fixing some stuff. 
And there it is written into the Old Testament law and actually right into the Mennonite confession of faith. And yet here we are on land that is not ours with debts that have not been forgiven or perhaps with people indebted to us to struggling to find an active way to rejuvenate the earth, ourselves, and those around us. And the pandemic does not help. Now, I don't interpret that the Mennonite confession of faith takes this law to a T, and perhaps because we recognize that we live in and coexist with a society that does not follow the same moral, financial, or religious laws that we as Mennonites do. But the lesson from this and that what we should recognize and be reminded of is that our possessions, our land, our assets, they're not ours, but they belong to the broader community and to the community of Christ. Our debts are not set in stone. The land we own is leased to us, and we need to treat it as though we are returning it to the Lord's community. So the Sabbath year and the Jubilee year are perhaps the more abstract of the times that we read about in Article 21, but we also talk about the Sabbath day, probably the best known of these three. It is the holy day, the day of rest, and it is typically observed on the first day of the week. Now, a bit of a tangent here to keep things interesting. A good friend of mine and roommate um, from last term is Jewish, and we constantly had friendly arguments about what the first day of the week is. I thought it was Monday, she thought it was Sunday, and by the logic of the Sabbath, I think we're technically both wrong because it's supposed to be the first day of the week, which is Saturday, according to Old Testament law, regardless of specifically when the Sabbath is observed, it's interesting that it's described as the first day of the week. I understand that weeks are circular, it's Monday and then it's Wednesday and then it's Monday again, and there isn't really a first day of the week. But to me, it brings that the Sabbath day was supposed to be a gift to us. We are supposed to start our week with rest. Now, in Mark chapter 2, the Pharisees are doing, you know, that thing they do where they're being very critical of Jesus and every move trying to call him out for not following the Old Testament law. Um, Keep in mind that keeping the Sabbath day holy is one of the Ten Commandments. It's not just some obscure law from Leviticus. In fact, Exodus 31, uh, 14 through 15 states very bluntly, as Exodus often does, observe the Sabbath day because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it is to be put to death. Those who do any work on that day must be cut off from their people, and those who do work on or, and for six days, work is to be done, but on the seventh day is the day of Sabbath rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. So I would argue that it's pretty explicit. It says twice in two verses that if you work on the Sabbath day, you should be killed. And of course, the Pharisees wanted to see how Jesus would handle that one. So as was read for us earlier this morning, Mark 2, 23 through 27, Jesus is going through the grain fields with his disciples and they pick a grain. And the Pharisees say to him, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And he answers, have you not read what David did when him and his companions were hungry? They ate the consecrated bread and shared it amongst themselves. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. 
So the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now, I was a bit frustrated by the lack of inclusive language, um, and I did some research to find a version of this text that was more inclusive, and of course that was read for us this morning anyway, but I'll reiterate just to say this is from the easy-to-read version of the Bible, which I have never needed to use in my life. Um, But it restates it nicely to say, the Sabbath day was made to help people. People were not made to be ruled by the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord of every day, even the Sabbath. Now, personally, I sometimes struggle to even take enough time from, away from doing work to go to church on a Sunday morning, let alone to take an entire day for rest and worship. For example, uh, last Sunday morning, I woke up at around 8 a.m. and fully intended to join uh, the, church Sunday, or the uh, Sunday morning church Zoom call, Um, And I ended up losing track of time studying for my course on mammalian reproduction and working on a lab report. Um, And then, oh my goodness, it's noon, and now I am in no way a role model of how we should take the Sabbath as a gift of, as a gift and a day of rest. Um, In our world of go, 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 time is money, productivity is success, it would feel like a burden to be forced to take the entire day but it's a gift to us from God. It's a restful start to the week. And we also learn that as followers and disciples of Jesus, being unable to keep the Sabbath holy is not actually punishable by death, which, thank goodness. But it is a good reminder that if we need to harvest grain on the Sabbath, that's okay. The lesson from this is that we should be proactive instead of reactive in our time of rest and worship. We should be thankful for the gift of the Sabbath that we're given, and we should try to take this opportunity to rest. Now, I am not saying that that is feasible for every single one of us, for every single hour of every Sunday. I know that I'm heading home for a budget meeting for my capstone project um, and to work on another lab report, but taking the whole day off is not feasible. My challenge to you on this Sunday is to take a quiet hour. For some of you, this may already, either intentionally or unintentionally, be part of your afternoon plans. And for others, this might sound like an impossible feat, especially for those of you who have kids running around. But I encourage you to use this time as a time to rest. Take a break from your phones, your computers, TVs. Find a quiet room in your house. Try to convince others in your house to do so as well or leave you alone. If you are more spiritually inclined, take this time to pray, to reorient yourself to God. And if prayer isn't your thing, read a book, write in a journal, practice mindfulness, that's great too. Whatever you can do that makes you slow down and rest, take this gift from God. Rest on the Sabbath. Start your week with rest. For we are stewards of our time, and our time is God's. Go now and rest.